Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, my voice sounds good. I got some good reverb here. Good morning, everybody. I woke up this morning and found out it was May. Where, where did April go? <laughs> I was a bit concerned about having a, a May Day weekend. You know, it sounds like we ought to be putting white flags up and saying SOS. But uh, I was at Bull Rushes on Friday and, and they were having May Day craft. I thought, what's that? You know? <laughs> anyway, it was, it, was, it was a lovely thing with flowers and everything, which was good. Can I ask you, please, to turn to the people either side of you and just say, Boo. Good. Now everyone's awake. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you for the Easter season that we've enjoyed. We thank you, Lord, that Pentecost is coming. But we thank you, Lord, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We look forward, Lord, to meeting you today in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we may, whether we're the youngest or the oldest, have a close encounter with Jesus Christ that changes us for the better. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. We have a, a cross in the centre of our platform here to remind us of the finished work of Christ. Some churches have a cross with our actual Saviour hanging there and it's good to remember that Jesus died and suffered for us but it's good also to remember it is a finished work. He died, he was buried, he was in the grave and he rose on the third day. It is finished. The power of death and sickness, weakness and evil is broken. And if ever anyone here thinks, do I matter to God? Does God really love me? The cross says it all. It says that God so loved the world, as everyone in the world that includes you, that he gave his only son. That everyone includes you who believe in him, need not perish, might have eternal life. What a saviour. What a saviour. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're now going to have an international guest Bible reader who will read our scriptures for today. The Lord called Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Elo, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of, the God, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord. When the ark of God was... Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid and lied down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
The Lord called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The little children of Jesus. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little child come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Therefore, let the Israelites be, the little Israel be assured of this. God has made this, Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Pete and the other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? Pete replied. Repeat. Repeat, repent, and he baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corruption generation. Thank you, Isaac. I said he had international ministry because the word says the word of God goes out and does its business. So I believe that what we've said this morning has gone out and has made difference in the heavenlies and in the nations. Thank you, Isaac. Very much appreciated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words that Isaac shared with us from the book of Samuel, uh, from the book of Acts, and from Mark's Gospel. We declare that these are the word of God. They are not the invention of any man. And I pray that the Holy Spirit may give us understanding to know what the words say, what the words mean, and what they say and mean to us as a congregation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hello again. I want to spend a, a few minutes this morning looking at the position of children in our lives and in the church. Now, preachers always say this, you know, few minutes, few minutes. According to Word, my message is 1,100 words long. 
not 11,000, 1,100. So if you're into that sort of thing, you can count them, okay? But I haven't included this explanation of how long the message is, so you don't count that bit. Okay, so calculators at the ready, off we go. As I said, I want to spend a few minutes this morning looking at the position of children in our lives and in the church. I want to do this by looking at three areas. Firstly, children as a gift from God. Secondly, children being the church of today and not just the church of tomorrow. And finally, how we, who might regard ourselves as adults, are encouraged to have a faith that is, in some ways, childlike. So our first section, children as a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, children are a gift from God. I think most of us who are parents or grandparents who are godparents, who are aunts or uncles, brothers and sisters, or friends and neighbours, or aunties of those with children agree with this most of the time. Most of the time, children are a gift from God. I was walking to church on, sun, on Friday for bull rushes, and I overheard a conversation some, some neighbours were having. I wasn't prying, they were having a conversation, and one lady was in her front garden, another was in her front garden, but they lived on opposite sides of the street. So it was a very open conversation. And one mum was saying that her son had come up to her and said, could he have a new PlayStation? He said, well, yes. He said, but um, I tell you what, he said, why don't you save up your pocket money and then you'll have enough and you can buy it? At which point his, his face fell. So try to be helpful. I said, look, I tell you what, every time your room gets messy and you tidy it up, I'll give you a little bit of money and if you save it every time, then you'll have enough to buy this PlayStation. So the kid, the kid cheered up, then rushed into the house. He said, where are you going? He says, I'm, I'm going to mess up my bedroom. He says, why are you going to mess up your bedroom? He says, well, I can tidy up, then you can give me some money. He says, what are you going to do then? He says, I'm going to mess it up again. So you can give me some more money. And just for the children listening and, and for the adults who are getting a bit worried, the mother then said to him, life doesn't work like that. <laughs> well, that, as they say, is a true story. So hopefully most of us would agree, whatever relationship we have with children, whether we're a, a participant through a parent or a bystander, children are a joy, a blessing, an encouragement, an inspiration, and they stir up good things in us and challenge us to do and be our best. The Bible speaks about the importance and worth of children. Children matter to God, so they should matter to us. They're a blessing, not a punishment, honestly. They're a reward, not an inconvenience, really. They're a gift and not a burden. So we should seek to love, bless, nurture, encourage, protect and equip children the best we can. You may have heard the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. I see a George and Nenna nodding there. Raising children is, of course, primarily the responsibility of their parents or carers. But this proverb underlines the fact there's also a role for the wider community. So in the church context, children are a gift not just for their parents, for mum and dad, for grand and grand, uncle and auntie, but also for the whole church community. And so that all of us, as appropriate, should do all we can to help them become the people that God has chosen them to be. I think we're about 300 in our words. Second section, children are the church of today and not just the church of tomorrow. You've probably heard the phrase, children are the church of tomorrow. There's, of course, some truth in this. 
there will come a time when we'll all have moved on and the reins will hopefully be taken up by the next generation. But this also overlooks the fact that children are here to bless the church here and now. We see an element of this in our Gospel account in Mark 10. We hold the parents are trying to bring their children to Jesus and the disciples try and stop them. Evidently they thought Jesus had better things to do with his time. And we're told, and notice his word very carefully, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He wasn't just a bit peed, he was indignant, saying, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So Jesus sees it as an indignity when we prevent children from coming into relationship with him and coming to know him. And we should do well to remember, if we know our Bible, that children have played an important part in the Bible narrative. We heard this morning of Samuel, who as a boy began his prophetic ministry when he heard God speaking to him in the temple. And if it's interesting, if you, we didn't read on, but he doesn't give you a message saying, God loves you. It says, I'm going to give you a message to make the people in Israel hear this tingle. So God wasn't mucking about, and he wasn't mucking about through Samuel. And you may recall the boy David who killed Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who may well have been teenagers when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. In Kings 2, 5, we hear of a teenage girl, Jewish girl, who played a part in Naaman being healed from leprosy. And of course, we remember the boy who shared his lunch for the feeding of the 5,000. I'm sure you can probably think of more. So perhaps we need to make sure we create room for children to step into the roles that God may have currently for them and God may have for them in the future. For as our final scripture said today, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children. Obviously there was a future context there, they meant believers that were coming, but I believe it actually meant juniors, you know, little adults. And what is the promise of the Holy Spirit? The promise of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin and bring them to faith. So I expect to see our children coming to faith. It's also to equip them with the fruits and gifts they need to fulfil God's calling on their life. So I expect to see children being released into ministry too. And this is a promise that we all need to embrace, whether you're a toddler or you're of a slightly older age with a fitting hairline. Can't think of anyone like that, can you, George? Finally, Jesus encourages us to have a childlike faith. And this is my last bit. I want to spend a few minutes thinking about this rather strange encouragement. It's interesting when you read through the Gospel accounts of Jesus' ministry, his harshest words and judgments were reserved for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, people who knew the Scriptures as they, as they were in those days. They knew them like the back of their hand, but they only allowed them to feed their mind rather than both their mind and their heart. Please don't understand or misunderstand Jesus placed a great value on God's word. You remember he used it to rebuke Satan when he was in the wilderness. He, he quoted it in his ministry. And as you remember, people are continually amazed by Jesus' understanding and unpacking of scripture. But he understood that God's message was intended not to just be informative, but really to be transformative. It was a revelation to make us wiser but also to renew us in mind, body, soul, actions, reactions, emotions, and outlook. It is said that in medieval times, there was much scholarly debate about how many angels can you 
can dance on the needle on the point of a needle? Apparently the answer is an infinite number, in case you're interested. Now some regard this story as being a fabrication. Oh, it didn't actually happen. But nonetheless, it has come down into modern usage to mean something where we are wasting time debating things that have no practical value when there are more urgent things to be concerned about. And I think the Sadducees and their ilks were guilty of this, debating abstruse theological points. Well, the very saviour their theology pointed to was standing right in front of them, unrecognised. And it appears that, it, that many of the, in their eyes, unlearned people of their day avoided this trap because they had a childlike faith, the childlike faith that Jesus commends. Now, childlikeness, as opposed to childishness, has a lot to commend it. Childlikeness involves innocence, being trusting, being open, being guileless, not being sneaky, being frank, it takes joy in life and thinks everything is exciting and that there are possibilities in everything. It openly gives and receives affection without reservation. It wears its heart on its sleeve and quickly forgets hurt, disappointments, betrayals and rivalries. It makes friends easily and is largely free of prejudice and bias. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? I think it's almost wasted on kids. Is our relationship with God like this. I would look at myself if I could. I have to look at myself reflecting my glasses. There we go. Are we open to God's embrace? And where necessary, his gentle correction. Is our life characterised by the joy, excitement and exuberance in the Holy Ghost? If not, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Surely you want Jesus to take you in his arms and bless you like he did those tiny children. Perhaps now it's the time to let go of all our clever schemes and our plans and agendas, our ambitions and strategies, and simply jump into the Father's lap and enjoy his love, his company and blessing. Come on, you know it makes sense. Let's just let go and let God. So to conclude, for those who are still awake, children are a gift from God. Children of the church of today, not tomorrow, and tune show us a sort of childlike faith that Jesus commends. I hope this message has been helpful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that children are a gift from God. Help us, Lord, to prize that gift, to value that gift, and love that gift in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, to remember that the church of today is for the children, not just the church of tomorrow. And to encourage the Lord in their ministry, and in the things and giftings you have and have given them. Help us, Lord, to have a childlike faith that says, God has said it, I believe it, that settled it, I'm going to live it. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.